Well, this morning, I want to do a quick overview of the good news of the gospel. I, uh, sometimes we hear certain parts of the good news of the gospel, but if other parts get left out, it, it becomes kind of a strange story. And, well, I'll explain why, but let me do the overview first. Here's the overview. This is the Joshua Rivas message translation from the beginning. In the beginning, God made everything, and he said, it is good. He made man in his image, male and female, and he said, it is very good. How many of you guys know God looked at mankind, male and female, made in his image and said, that's what I'm talking about. It is very good. You and I were made in God's image, <clears throat> and God absolutely loves what he made. Then he gave mankind the option to choose him or reject him, and he desired that Adam and Eve, that we would choose him. Adam and Eve were deceived by God's enemy, and they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this tree represents our desire to determine good and evil according to our own ideas rather than God's. Did you catch that? Not just what's evil, knowledge of evil, but also knowledge of what's good, that we would determine our own, uh, uh, our own approximation of what good equals, of what love equals, of what righteousness equals, the tree of knowledge of both good and evil, looking at my own goodness as a measure of what I determine to be righteous. He gave him that tree, and it represents man's desire to do that, to determine good and evil according to our own ideas rather than God's. And in that day, death and the curse of sin entered man and the entirety of creation. Can you imagine God's heart that day to show up and Adam and Eve are missing from the place? He used to come walk with them in the cool of the day, it says, and he shows up to walk with his kids. How many of you guys here have kids? Yeah, how many of you guys here have people that you love that are humans? Okay, come on, that's all of us. And so every day you go and you have an appointment where you hang out in the cool of the evening and you enjoy the beauty of all things that are good and hanging out with that which is very good. And one day you show up and they're nowhere to be found. Where is this person that I love? And he says, where are you? And they're hiding in shame because they chose in that moment under the deception of God's enemy, he deceived them. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have an enemy. That might, be, that might be news to some of you guys. It's an important thing to know. You have an enemy. God shows up and they're hiding from him. And he says, why, why are you hiding from me? I, I made you very good in my image because I love you. And I want you to cultivate my heart and my kingdom. And I want you to expand throughout this entire earth and fill it. And I want you to live like I live and love like I love. And I want to do it together. And I've given you this authority. What, what are you doing? And they said, well, we realized that we're naked. So suddenly they're aware of something negative about being naked. Before they were covered with glory, there was no knowledge of good or evil. There was no taking advantage one of another. Adam loved Eve. Eve loved Adam. Adam didn't lust after Eve or seek to possess her and vice versa. They were in a perfect relationship, the glory of God covering them. And an enemy comes and says, God isn't who you think he is and you're not who you think you are. You should eat from this fruit because then you'll become like God. How many of you guys know they were already like God? The enemy deceives them and they, they, they forget who they are. 
And how is that any different from where we are today? We, we, don't, we don't realize who we are. We don't realize who God is. And you guys, we still have an enemy, and he's called the accuser, and he's always accusing God, and he's always accusing you, and he's always accusing your neighbor. He's not who you think he is. You're not who you think you are, and they're certainly not who you think they are. Does that sound familiar to anyone in this room? In that moment... God then speaks to Adam and Eve of his plan of redemption. He says, what did you do? What did you do? And they said, we ate from the fruit. Eve immediately blames the snake. Well, first Adam blames Eve. You ate from the fruit. Well, Eve gave me the, she said, and I, when I was, and then she, when she was naked, so she's pretty persuasive. So I ate, and he goes, what? And he turns to Eve. She goes, no, it was the snake told me. The snake did it. How many of you guys, does this sound familiar when you're busted dead to rights? No, it's not my fault. It was just the situation. It was just a situational problem. It wasn't, it wasn't that I did a bad thing. It was that I was put in a position where you couldn't possibly blame me for doing a bad thing. So they're, they're all shuffling to blame somebody else. In the very moment that sin and death enters the earth, the curse comes, they're now already relationally distant from God and the first thing they can think of is to blame someone else. You guys, this is the same situation, this is our story. Do you, do, you see, do you see yourself in this story? And then God in that moment, he speaks to Adam and Eve of his plan of redemption and he says, not only am I gonna redeem you. Think about this, right? I mean, this just happened. This just happened. That sin and death just entered the world. The enemy just deceived God's kids, but God doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't, he doesn't beat them up. He doesn't tell them I hate them. He doesn't say I quit you. He doesn't say any of that. He immediately says, I have a plan of redemption. And not only is it going to come, but it's going to come through your seed. You guys just blew up the earth. You just blew up your lives. You just allowed sin and death to come in from my enemy. You just aligned yourself with my enemy, but I don't give up on you. I'm already putting together a plan of redemption, and not only am I going to redeem you, but I'm going to let you participate in that redemption. It will be your great, 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 and a whole lot of greats grandson that will come and bring redemption to all of earth and defeat sin and death. In that very moment, that's, that's the reality that we're living in. And when Christ came, when Christ came and he went to the cross and died the death that we all deserve to die, he lived the life that we could not live, that we're called to live, but that we, we didn't live it, guys. The, the word says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christ came and lived that life. He, he faced every single temptation that we face, covetousness, lust, Lust for power, all those things that we get tempted with, vengeance, anger, pettiness, gossiping, all the things, right? How many of you guys, raise your hand that you've done that this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he was tempted in the same way that we were, yet he did not sin. And then he went to the cross and he died the death that we deserve to die. And he paid a price that none of us could afford to pay. And God kept his promise. The cross is the pivotal event in human history where Satan, the enemy of God, lost his authority over the minds of men and women. He lost his authority. And by the way, death is now put on notice. Death itself will be swallowed up. So in that, in that day when Christ came, suddenly now we are invited through Christ 
to live forever rather than to simply die. Are you with me? So the cross is a huge deal, and it's the culmination of that. I wanted to mention to you the enemy because so often what happens is if we, if we skip the fact that we have an enemy, okay, if we skip the fact that we have an enemy, then what ends up happening is we emotionally relate either to God as our enemy, like, well, why are you so unfair? Why aren't you, why aren't you living out love in the way that I would determine love should be lived? You're the enemy, God. Your love is shallow. Your love is bigoted. Your love is weird. Your love is whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't measure up to what I think it should be, God. Or we make each other the enemy or make ourselves the enemy. Like, oh, wretched person that I am. I'm such a piece of garbage. I'm just the worst. I'm horrible and you're horrible. And, 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 and we make each other the enemy. But the reality is we have an enemy. He's, he's, he is the Satan. He is the adversary. He is Lucifer who rejected God and took a third of the angels and he and his dark angels or demons are consistently coming to tempt, to kill, to steal, and destroy. And we see the marks of evil all over the earth. It's not just situational. It's not just societal. It's that, it's that people are still able to be influenced by the enemy who comes and tries to kill and steal and destroy. How many of you guys have noticed that we have a problem in this earth? And that problem, yes, it involves mankind. It involves humans because humans are align, can align themselves with the enemy or they can align themselves with God or they can be somewhere in between in the sense of ignorantly aligning themselves with the enemy if they're not aligned with God. But there is a war on for the souls and hearts of humans because Satan has no desire that anyone would live forever. He hates God. And you know who you're, whose image you're made in? God's. You belong to him. He, he loves you, but you have to choose him. He will not coerce you. He will not threaten you. Do you understand this? He gives us the opportunity through the cross of Jesus Christ that if we will, we can live forever if we will simply turn to God. And, and by the way, forever starts today. Are you with me? So we have an enemy. He was probably lying to you this morning. He was probably coercing you this morning, threatening you this morning. But God has not left you to the designs of an enemy. Rather, he has sent his son, Jesus Christ. And, and let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31, because look at, look at the way that Jesus did this. It's, it's so brilliant, it's stupid, and it's so stupid, it's brilliant. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? We look at how many times have we tried to create a utopia here on the earth and it ends up in a dictatorship? How many times do we have to try to save the world through humanistic approaches that deny the reality of the presence of evil and the fallenness of man and we end up with a dictatorship? How many times do we need to keep trying that? It's the foolishness of man to think that we can save ourselves. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, so the wisdom of the world does not lead us to God, does it? 
It leads us to making the state God. It leads us to making certain humans in the place of God. Hey, save me from those bad people over there. And they're like, no problem. I will remind you how bad they are so I can keep you in fear and manipulate you as long as you are willing. Just put me in power. I will relinquish this control as soon as as, 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 as is possibly necessary. And yet, does that ever happen? How many times do we want to give in to that? No, there is wickedness bound up in our hearts, and there's only one person that can change our hearts, and that is Christ Jesus. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. You just think about it. I'm going to let the scriptures keep talking for itself. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. The Jews demand a sign. They're saying, show us a miracle to prove that the message that you're bringing here about Jesus Christ is true. It's not enough that Christ raised from the dead. It's not enough that he died on a cross and was raised from the dead. What we need you to do is like make it rain right now and then stop. And then maybe like a volcano could explode and then stop and then maybe raise like three dead people, and then maybe we'll think about your gospel. And, he's, and the Lord's going, my son's death and resurrection is enough of a sign. The cross is enough of a sign. When they asked Jesus, Jesus, show us a sign. He said, there will be no sign given to you, but the sign of Jonah, who was in the belly of the fish for three days, and then he was put back on the land, and he was speaking of himself. I'm going to die, and I will be in Hades for three days I'll go down to Hades, I'll go down and take the keys of sin and death, and I'll be back. God will raise me after three days. And he did exactly what he said. But that's foolishness to those that are seeking a greater sign. They're going, that's, that's nonsense. And then, and then the Greeks are looking for wisdom. They're saying, teach us the philosophies that will guide us into human flourishing. Teach us about human flourishing apart from the cross. Just, it's, it's a societal issue. It's, people don't, they're, they're just not educated enough to be good. If we could just get people to be good enough, give us the right philosophies. Let's find out, you know, which is the best ethic. Let's grab a hold of the correct ethics and then humans will flourish and they'll stop languishing in evil and despair and destruction. Teach us the wisdom that will take us out of this. And he says to them, you're looking for wisdom, but here's what we have to offer you. Here's what God has to offer you. Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Do you see that God allowed, when, it, when we say the weakness of God, what does that mean? That Christ actually came and became a human like us. Experienced everything that we've experienced. Our frailty, our limitations. He didn't have any superpowers. Everything he did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have access to be God in the sense of he laid aside all of his God powers and he became a mere man like us, a mere human. And all the miracles he did, he said, I do these by the power of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating what we would do the same thing. But what's the point here? It was in his weakness that he went to the cross. The weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. He laid down his life so that we can live. 
Do you see that? And in so doing that, he actually broke the power that our enemy, Satan, had over us to deceive us. He broke the power of sin to continue to hold us into patterns of pride and selfishness and death. Amen? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We, we, we have nothing to boast in except for the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's our boast. Like, my testimony is not, I used to be a real jerk, and I was super selfish, ridiculously handsome, but very selfish. <laughs> and then I met Jesus, and look at me now. I'm just so great. Isn't that a great testimony? It's, Woo, thanks, Joshua. Let me follow that Lord. No, that's, that's nonsense. My testimony is that Jesus Christ came and rescued me out of the hand of my enemy who every day reminded me that I'm not good enough, that I'm not strong enough, that I'm not nice enough, that I'm not smart enough to live this life well or to live forever, reminded me of every single mistake that I made, every failure that I have, every weakness that I live in. And then one day, Jesus Christ came and said, would you like to believe in my love for you and my Father's love for you and the life that I have for you, would you like to accept that I am your Savior, your big brother, Jesus, and I'm here to rescue you and reconcile you to your Father because you were made to carry his mission forward as a part of his family because he desires that no one would perish but that everyone would have everlasting life. And there's a place for you in my family. There's a place for you at the table. And, and it's not about how good you are. It's about how good I am. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I did. It's not about what you'll do for me. It's about what we can do together. If you want to choose me, do you want that? And I said, yes, <laughs> that sounds amazing. And then little by little, day by day, little by little, day by day, he's forming Christ in me more and more and more. But if there's anything that's good in me, if there's anything that's fun, if there's anything that's lovely, if there's anything that you look at and admire, know that what that is is Christ being formed in me. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm excited. I like it when I smell like Jesus. I like it when I act like Jesus. Because you know who's making that happen? Jesus. I have no illusions about my propensity to be tempted and to do stupid things. But I also am in no way insecure about the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what I did, not because I became a nice guy after I prayed a prayer, but because I'm walking with God and day by day, Christ is being formed in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
through the foolishness of the cross that Jesus Christ went and paid for every sin that I've ever sinned and every sin that I still yet will commit, hopefully not on purpose, but that's how ridiculous and crazy is the invitation that he's given that I could be reconciled back to the Father, not through what I've done, but through what he's done. And as I continue to live with him, I just want to be more like him. The things that I used to enjoy, they just don't, they just don't feel right anymore. Are you with me? But when I came to him, he didn't say, here's a list. Stop doing all these things and I'll let you in. No, he just came and said, do you believe that I am who I say that I am? Do you believe that I went to the cross for you and for all of mankind to rescue you from the evil one and from death? Do you believe that? And I said, I do. And he said, then come follow me. Come follow me. And that's what I've been doing now for decades. And, and I have some really, really good days. And you know what? Sometimes I have some really, really bad days. Just ask my family, right? You can't hide from your family. And when that happens, then I go back to them and I repent, not because I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell, but because it grieves their heart and it grieves my father's heart and it grieves my heart. And I go, this, this isn't right. And so I repent and I ask for forgiveness, not so that I won't go to hell because Christ has already brought me into the kingdom, but because I'm becoming more and more like Christ. This is the gospel. Are you guys with me? You know, if you and I are doing a good job of preaching the actual good news of the gospel, if we're looking at the cross for what it is, if we're looking at the reality of this God who came and rescued us from the enemy, and then from the sin and death that's been in us. Because until you're born again, you do have a sin nature. Until Christ, until you're born again in Christ, you are not able to stop sinning. Do you hear me? You will die. The only solution for death is Christ Jesus who can give you eternal life. The wages of sin are death. And what is sin? What is sin? It's simply you determining what is good and evil according to your own measurements. You're saying, uh, either on one hand, I'm gonna I don't believe in sin, on one hand. That's one way to do it. It's lawlessness. You know what? Here's my determination of what goodness is. I'm gonna lower the bar, and I can pretty much do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else according to my perspective. Are you guys with me? That's one way to sin, lawlessness. I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt you. The only problem is you are not your own. Look at your neighbor. Do you know who they look like? Their daddy. You know who their daddy is? God the Father. You belong to him. You owe him an answer for what you're doing with this life. And so you can try to determine whatever rules that you've come up with to live in this life, but you will answer to him for how you did live this life. And you may have even been ignorant to the fact that he expected anything more than that from you until today. Because today you just found out that your father desperately loves you and he has a plan for your life that you would live forever and not die. He has a desire that you would love 
at the level you're already loving, but certainly much more than that. That you would live according to his love. That's a desire that he has for you, and he's made a provision through Christ Jesus so that you can actually do that, not because you earned it. You don't do it so you can be loved. You receive his love, and he teaches you how to love like he does. Are you with me? But if I am in this place of setting my own standard, whatever it may be, how many of you have found that even the standard that you set, you can't even live up to that? Right? You make a standard and you're like, I mean, I remember when I was young and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be like all those potheads. I'm just going to smoke cigarettes because they're very cool. Because when I was young, cigarettes were still cool. You weren't like a pariah like you are now. Right? It was like awesome. All the movies, they were smoking cigarettes. So I, I started smoking at about 13. And it was so much work. You know, you're like coughing and your eyes are running. And I'm like, my mama didn't raise no quitter. I'm going to get this. And so... I did, I got it, and it was great. And so that was super fantastic. So I'm smoking Marlboros. Yeah, you wanna be cool? Smoke cigarettes, you heard it here at Christ Center. And so, and so I'm smoking cigarettes, and I'm like, all right, but here's the deal though, I'm not gonna be like all those other kids that are drinking, I'm just gonna smoke cigarettes. Because what could be wrong with that? And then I'm like, okay, well I'm gonna smoke cigarettes and drink, but I'm not gonna smoke weed, because I don't wanna be like those dudes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to smoke weed and drink, but I'll quit smoking cigarettes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to smoke cigarettes, and I'm going to smoke weed, and I'm going to drink occasionally, but I'm not going to do any hallucinogenics. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a little LSD now and then, but I'm going to cut back a little on cigarettes. And then it's like, okay, but I'm never going to try meth. And then I'm like, okay, I've tried meth. So you see what happens, right? You see what happens? The standard... I had my own standard for myself, but it keeps moving. But what is that really for any of us? It's the sin nature. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's us trying to live according to our own standards, but we don't actually have the power to live outside of the life of Christ, which is shown when he went to the cross. He died that death, and if we'll follow him, we actually die with him, and we're raised again with him. We receive the Holy Spirit, and we actually lose that sin nature we can still be tempted, but we don't have a sin nature anymore. And you actually, through the power of Christ, not through your own goodness, not through your own, oh, now I'm amazing. Ooh, everybody come follow me. Look how good I am. No, not like that at all. We boast. In fact, it says if we boast, we boast in the Lord that I died with Christ and now I've been raised again. I don't live according to my own standards anymore. I live according to his. I live a whole lot better than I used to. And if I am tempted in sin, I can confess it and he'll forgive me. And I just get back up and start living like him again. And when I'm doing great, I'm really, 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 really filled with gratitude and humility because of what I received through the cross of Jesus Christ. And when I'm having the worst day of my life and I've relapsed in some terrible way, then I'm filled with tons of humility and gratitude because I've received eternal life through what Christ did on the cross. Do you see this? So whether it's the best day ever or the worst day ever, all I'm ever boasting in is Jesus because I don't have anything to offer to God other than my yes. And that's, that's what he wants. That's what he wants from us is that we would want to choose him. And he's like, I don't, you, you don't need to earn it. I'm giving it to you. But I want you to be with me. I want you to be with me. And that's what Christ showed. When we look at the foolishness of the cross, we look at a father who had an enemy come and, and deceive the kids 
That's us. And he's like, no, that won't do. I'm, going to, I'm staging a rescue mission, and I'm sending my son. And Jesus came in the flesh and said, my name is Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. I am God with you. I came to you. There's a beautiful tower song that I just love so much. And one of the lines in it, it's uh, Belly of the Deepest Love is, is what the song's called. You can download it after service day. It's so good. But it says, I tried to get to you, but you came to me instead. That's the wisdom of the cross. That's, we, we try to get to God. We try to earn our way to God. How many of us at some point in our life have said, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm living a pretty good life. And so when we get there, I'm sure I'll probably go to heaven. According to what? According to what? Hitler? Like, poor Hitler. Just kidding. But I'm just saying, how dumb is that, that our standard of righteousness is, well, it's not like I'm Hitler. Like, really? That's the bar? Don't be Hitler, but anything below that, you should go to heaven? This seemed like a really good point to me. I think I just scared you. You thought I went all Kanye for a minute there is what happened, huh? You're like, what is happening? Okay. Lord, I do pray for Kanye. Okay. I've gone off the rails, guys. Start praying. The standard is that we believe who Jesus Christ is. And when we do that, he begins then to form Christ in us and we begin to live from the law of love. And we stop justifying ourselves according to what we consider sin and not sin, what we consider good and worse and on and on. All that rating goes away and suddenly we say, Lord, what do you want in every situation? And we begin to live from that place because we have actually been born again. And that's, that's my desire today for each of us. I don't know where you guys are right now. You know, we, we all face many temptations. Some of you might be here right now and you're like, you're living out my story right now, right? Where you're like, I mean, you probably, you're not dumb enough to smoke cigarettes. People don't do that anymore. But you like vape and smoke weed and drink and take hallucinogenics. And you're like, man, this line keeps moving. And you're like, that's me. That's, that is where I'm at or whatever it is, right? That line keeps moving. And, and every time I set a standard, it just, it just keeps moving. And I'm telling you that the cross of Jesus Christ was born by Christ for you. And you can be set free. And you can begin to live the life that he's living because he died the death that you and I deserved. And you can die with him and be born again and start having new desires that are happening inside of you that are greater than what you dreamed. But it does begin for each of us in this place of surrender to say, I'm done justifying myself to myself and to you, God. I'm done trying to save myself. I have tried to get to you. I need you to come to me instead. And the cross is that reality that he has come to us. Maybe you're in a place where you've just become, well, I think of in Revelation, he says, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. You know, you've lost your first love. You're still being faithful, but you don't love me anymore. You don't love me like you used to. I mean, how many of us, if we can do that in our own relationships, right? I, I think of, of times when I'll be like, just Karen and I will become business partners. And it's like, wait a minute, why aren't we dating anymore? You know, we notice the difference. It's like, oh shoot, you know, everything we do right now is a business meeting. Like when was the last time we just went out and delighted in each other because it was for the purpose of being together, not coming together to accomplish something. And some of us might be in that place right now where you find yourself realizing like, I, 
I've stepped away from the lavish, like, the, the lengths that Jesus went to reconcile me to himself. Like, he said that he, he, he endured the cross, right? And despised the shame for the joy set before him. And you know what the joy set before him was? That, that he'd get us. So, so where along the line is it that, like, I'm just relating to him now with just my list of daily things? Like, Lord, I pray for some food today. I pray that you'd help Jason to quit annoying me at work. Lord, I ask that you'd give me a new car. I'm just kidding, Jason. Most of the time. And, um, but Jason prays that I'll stop annoying him, too, when, when he's having a bad moment. Right? It's become a business transaction. And if that's you today, I want to remind us. I want to remind our hearts, like, man, look at the cross. Look at the fact that not only did he die for us, but he lives for us. Do you know it says that he, he's at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us always? He's saying, God, I pray for Joshua Rivas. I pray that he would know you, Father, as you are and that he would know himself as we know him. He's praying that for you. He's, he's, he's crazy about us. And, 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 and it's a great time right now at Easter to go, Lord, I don't need another sign. I have the sign of the cross. That's how much you love me, that you died for me. And, but you didn't stop there. You rose again, and now you live. Now you live, and you want to live in me, and Lord, I want to live in you. And, and so if you've grown cold today, if you know that that's you, or you're like, Lord, somewhere along the line, I lost my first love, and, and I need it back. Well, guess what? He said, if you lack anything, just ask, and you're, the Lord won't despise you for asking, and so you and I can ask, God, I'm, I'm looking at the cross, and I'm filled again with just a sense of humility and gratitude, Lord. Will you just grant me repentance from a cold heart? Like, I can't even stir that up, Lord. Would you, but your Holy Spirit, you raised Christ from the dead. Raise me up from the dead, right? G give my heart the conviction that it needs that I would return back to you. Help me with that, Lord. Get me started. I'm willing to be willing. Amen? Isn't that a good prayer? I'm willing to be willing. I'm saying yes, but I'm like, I've, I, I don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible anywhere that you can't get born again again. It says you need to be born again, but it doesn't say you can't be born again again. And I think some of us need to remember, like, wait a minute. His mercies are new every morning, and somewhere along the line, I have lost my first love, and God, I want it back. And you gave me life at the beginning, so Lord, give me life today. You gave me the promise that you're transforming me by the renewing of my mind. God, renew my mind today. I want to move beyond fighting lust and get into love. I want to move beyond covetousness and move into generosity. I want to get out of fear and into crazy love. But Lord, I can't save myself any more today than I could the first day I invited you to be my Lord and Savior. So I'm saying, God, be my Lord and Savior today. Are you with me? So I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but I know this. I know that any time that we preach the message of the goodness of the gospel, which is Christ crucified and risen again, that the enemy has been defeated, that death has been defeated, and that we can live forever. Whenever we preach that, when we do that well, then it fills us necessarily with a sense of the gift of conviction from the Holy Spirit, the blessing of humility and gratitude to know, oh my goodness, if God 
didn't withhold his own son. And if Jesus didn't even hold back his own life, how much more will he not then give us all things that we need? And that's what he wants for you today. He wants for you to be free. He wants for you and I to be with him. And I want to make an opportunity for that today. Now is a great day to do that as we're celebrating him rising from the dead. Let's let him raise us up from the dead. Let's let him raise us up again. Amen? So this morning, I want to make that opportunity for all of us. And I, I have a couple of slides. I want us to pray a prayer together. And so for some of you, today might be the day that you're realizing, I need a savior. I, I need a savior. I prayed a prayer when I was five years old and the Lord took me at my word. But I surrendered my life to the Lord when I was 16 years old. And some of you may have prayed a prayer at some point in your life but you have not surrendered your life to God. And today is a great day to die with Christ and to be risen again with him. Today is a great day to lay down your life and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my approximation, but your approximation. Not my love, but your love. I'm done being God in my life. I'm done telling you how it should be. I want you to show me how it is. Would you put up uh, Romans 10? I, I love this scripture. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is, this is the part that we bring is the act of will that God absolutely refuses to violate. He gives us the choice I will only accept a life that is freely given to me. I will not force you. I will not threaten you. I will not coerce you. I will simply tell you the truth, show you who I am through Christ Jesus and him crucified. And if you will choose me back, oh baby, I've been waiting a long time for this. And if we believe that in our heart, then we confess it with our mouth. That's the only work that we bring to this is to say, I believe you are who you say you are. And then we surrender our lives and begin to learn from him. So this morning, whether you're, I hope all of us in some way or another are being blessed with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the places where we've grown cold. The sins that we've justified, the habits that we've cultivated the medications that we've made peace with, where we turn to those now instead of the presence of the Lord, to where we find more joy in things outside of the kingdom. We're going to do things as opposed to going with the Lord to do things. It's a big difference, isn't it? Wherever we are, I, I just pray that we could be blessed. Holy Spirit, that's what I'm asking, is that you would bring oh, clean hearts and the gift of repentance from those things that are distracting us from the wrong way of relating to you and to the world and to ourselves into your kingdom. We could repent from that and repent unto turning. Repent means to turn, that we would turn from this and turn to this. Lord, I pray that would be 
given to us today. I've got a prayer here that I'd like us to pray together. It's for some of you, I, I hope, I mean, I've been praying all morning and we've been praying together for a few weeks that there would be those that are here today. We prayed for all of you that are here today, that there would be those of you that your love has grown cold and that today would be the day where God gives you the gift of a fresh heart and a fresh love. And then there are those that we prayed for you and we prayed that you're here, as Jason said, right? You're, you're uh, Christ adjacent. That today would be a day where you would be able to have that gift where he opens the eyes of your understanding that you begin to realize the, the, the reality of his love for you the reality of who he is and who you are and that you could relate to him that way and begin a relationship with God who has shown his intention through the foolishness of dying for you before you even knew who he was with the hope that that would be enough for you to choose him. So we bring up this prayer and I wanted us to pray this together. I want you to just take a moment and just read Read through that, not, not out loud, but just read through this because this is the beginning of something. And then why don't we go to the next one? I want to give an opportunity this morning. Why don't we go back to the first slide? I'd like to pray this together. I was thinking about emotionalism as I was preparing for this, and I was thinking about how it's always a bummer when somebody tries to manipulate you, you know, through emotionalism to do something. Because if it's true, you know, why? Why would you have to manipulate someone? And then I was also thinking about where Paul said, you know, it's as though Christ were pleading through us, please, please be reconciled back to the Father. And I, I do want to say this. I really, 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 really want you to know the Lord. He loves you so much. And he loves you so much that he gave Christ and Christ came because he wants you to be with him. So may I plead with you on behalf of the Father, please come home. Please let me teach you who you really are. The Father is saying, please, let me teach you who I am and who you really are. So if that's a desire at this time, I'd invite you to, to pray this prayer with me. And if you're already walking with the Lord, I invite you to renew your, your, your relationship this morning. Why don't we pray this together? Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned and I am in need of salvation. I believe that you came to earth to save people who are lost in their sin, and I believe that you died on the cross 
as the substitute for my sin. I believe that you took the punishment that I deserved for the sins that I have committed and forgave me all my sins. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again from the dead and that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. I trust in you and I place my faith in you. Thank you for dying for me, forgiving my sins, making me clean and reconciling me back to you, the Holy Spirit and the Father. Thank you for all that you have done for me. I receive you into my life as my Savior and my Lord. I choose to follow you, to learn from you, and to serve you all my life. Amen. That feels good. If you prayed that for the first time today, um, we're going to have the prayer team come forward. And um, in fact, if you could, guys, if the uh, home group leaders and the and the elders and prayer team could come forward. We want to just pray with you and bless you. And if you're here and you just gave your life back to the Lord in a meaningful way, will you just come forward and let somebody pray with you and just say yes and amen and bless that? You just say, hey, I just recommitted my life to the Lord. I just came back. I, God did something because we just want to bless that. And for the rest of us, I want you to have a beautiful Easter, thank you so much for coming to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. God bless you guys. He is risen.